0: Welcome to the Sober Podcast, part of the Soberverse created by the team at the Sober Network. The Sober Network is engaged in revolutionizing the treatment industry by creating its own token economy. We offer fresh ideas to an industry that has relied on dated interventions. We are responsive to a new generation of substance users who are attached to their phones so we can impact massive social change. Our unmatched technology displays solutions of our various brands, demonstrating a thorough understanding of how we get things done. We are proving that technology, along with incentivized human accountability, provides measurable and positive outcomes. Visit us at SoberNetwork.com.
1: Welcome to the Sober Podcast. I am your host, Jamie Breakhouse, and our Sober Liberty guest today is Steph Frangley. She is a nutritional therapy practitioner and sober coach, joining us from South Carolina. Uh, she's the founder of Sober Rebellion, which is a platform assisting others with coaching services for alcoholism and nutrition. Um, with that in mind, today's topic is how I make nutrition a priority in sobriety. Thanks for joining us on the Sober Podcast, Steph. I'm so excited to have you today. Thanks for having me, Jamie. It's it's really nice to be
2: here chatting with you. Great.
1: Um, tell us a little bit about how nutrition became uh, so important in your life, in a focus.
2: Yeah. Um, well, I mean, it's been part of my life for almost as long as I can remember, I was um, a college athlete. And that's kind of when I started getting into nutrition. Mm-hmm. And I actually developed um, an eating disorder. While I was playing college volleyball, it's like a really kind of fat phobic um, <laughs> world there, right? Um, as well as our regular world. Yeah. And I just, um, I started suffering like a ton of injuries, I was always sick. And I just kept thinking I needed to like diet harder and it would solve all my problems. And, you know, eventually I really, I, I dug into nutrition science, just kind of self-studying it. And this was, you know, 15 years after college, this wasn't that long ago. And I started realizing like, okay, maybe it all was connected to nutrition and I, you know, not to like blame myself. I only knew what I knew, but like, how much of this did I, did I cause on my own? Like how how many of these injuries could have been prevented if I was just properly fueling myself, how much of this, um, like the nonsense, the anxiety in my brain, like all of like me kind of running myself mad and wearing myself to the ground, like how much of that could have been prevented. And then I, Eventually got my nutritional therapy practitioner certification and really dug into healing my relationship with food, with my body. Um, but didn't I always had these underlying like perfectionistic tendencies that I didn't really deal with. And so I sort of went from disordered eating to a disordered relationship with alcohol. Like it was just uh-huh. swapping like one numbing mechanism for another.
1: And curious, what, when you, um, when you got your, uh, what is your degree in? The
2: nutritional therapy practitioner certification. Mm -hmm.
1: That was how long after college, which is how long after you had the, the eating disorder?
2: That was probably 15 years after college. I got that in 2018 and I graduated college in 2003.
1: Yeah. And when you were, um, suffering some of these injuries and had this eating disorder in college it, and did any of your teammates or our coach or coaches uh ever express concern or or point out that you might have a uh, an eating disorder uh
2: no I mean I uh that was the vibe on the team I mean my coach was the one who told me you need to lose five pounds. You need to lose five pounds. We weighed in every week. I never even knew about like macros or like even optimizing your diet until I went to college. I just like ate and played volleyball when I was in high school. And then on the team, like most of the girls I would say had at least disordered eating patterns themselves. I mean, they like, you've seen volleyball players, like (laughs) college volleyball players were like tall and pretty skinny. And like you know, they would like bend over and be like, "Oh my God, this roll, I gotta get rid of this roll, and it's like, that's just your skin folding over, you know, yeah, so it was kind of pervasive on the team, and I mean, I didn't have the education and to know any better, you know, I was just like, oh, I gotta cut down how much I'm eating. I gotta lose these five pounds and for the for a long time, that number, that five pounds less number that I couldn't even get when I was, 19 years old and playing volleyball or lifting weights four hours a day. Right, like that right. the number in my mind, I'm like, I need to weigh that. That's my goal weight. And that, you know, that continued for, you know, 15 years.
1: Amazing. And when did, um, uh, when did you start replacing the, uh, the food disorder with, with alcohol and, uh, and kind of switching the, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, the addiction or the vice or whatever you want to call it.
2: Yeah. I mean, looking back through my twenties and thirties, I was always numbing with something. If, if I couldn't hold up my unsustainable diet, then I would switch to something like overworking or, um, or just drinking too much, just binge drinking. And then I would be like, Oh, I can't do this. This, you know, I don't feel well. I, I, I'm gaining weight, I need to like, cut out the booze or whatever. And I would just like swap around. So it's not like I ever really had a super healthy relationship with alcohol. I always used it like it wasn't, you know, sipping to enjoy. It was like, I'm using this to numb. I'm using this to escape. I'm, you know, mm-hmm. I'm using this to forget what you know, a fat loser I am or whatever, you know, and just it's self-harm. I mean, it's self-harm no matter what, which like kind of vice behavior you pick. But I would say it got really bad in the pandemic for me, like many people. So, you know, that was after I really started putting a lot of time, energy therapy into healing my relationship with food in my body and just kind of accepting um, you know, that I might have some metabolic damage from all the years of starving myself, whatever. And then I just became more and more emotionally dependent on alcohol to, I mean, it was just a whirlwind with the pandemic and all of like the social justice stuff that was going on and continues to go on. Right. Just, I just, I didn't have the coping skills and I never learned them because I was either you know, overworking or dieting or doing or drinking to distract myself. And it, that's like kind of one of my, my buzz phrases too. Like drinking keeps us distracted. Diet culture keeps us distracted. It keeps us small. It keeps us in our own heads and in our own, like just not paying attention to what's going on out there because it's kind right. of hard to be a human in this world sometimes. And you know, if you've been leaning on a crutch forever, like you kind of have to start over and and learn how to deal with that. So, the pandemic
1: was really what did it for me and and then did you um uh did you get sober and then um uh start in the field of nutrition or <laughs> did they kind of happen simultaneously? Yeah, they
2: overlapped. So um, I got my nutrition credentials in 2018. I didn't quit drinking until last year. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm new. I'm approaching a year now.
1: Oh, congratulations. Um,
2: Thanks. Yeah, it's wonderful. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I love
2: being sober. <laughs> um, so I first started my nutrition business working with women, like women similar to me. So kind of your type A perfectionist, people pleasing, women who sort of experience this hormonal burnout and um end up with this chronic fatigue and all these hormonal disorders and stuff like that um and then I just shifted from specializing in like that women's hormone nutrition to helping people support their sobriety and their recovery with um using nutritional therapy and wellness strategies and stuff like that
1: oh okay yeah I, I think that's that that's great because um a lot of yeah, there isn't a lot of focus in uh, you know it's, it, after you get sober, you know after you're putting down the the, the substance of booze drug or whatever, um, then we focus on ourselves and you know and, and the, the wreckage of our past and the problems and and what what are the what what problems are now there um, that we need to deal with that we can no longer cover up with the substance abuse. but often nutrition is not a part of that and um so when we come back we're going to do just break for a quick little commercial um i want to talk about um uh the special needs of uh someone newly sober um and and the focusing on the tradition so we'll be right back in just a few seconds so stick with us
2: hi i'm sonia the founder of everbloom we help you change your relationship with alcohol through connection and conversation We provide small group meetings where you can share your story and get the encouragement and support you need to achieve your goals. Whatever your goals are, we're a judgment-free space. You can find us at joineverbloom.com, B-L-U-M-E, and try us out with a free meeting.
1: Let's get back to our guest, Steph. And we are discussing nutrition in sobriety. And, you know, when I remember, you know, when I first got sober, I uh, I was, a, alcohol was my main um, drug or, or substance of choice. And, um, you know, when I stopped drinking, I, you know, had the sugar craving because I, and for years I used to say, oh, when I was drinking, I was so pious, you know, when desserts would come around. I would say, oh, no, I have, you know, I'm, I never eat desserts, um, not realizing that I was getting all the sugar from the from the mm. booze. And and of course, which is why it's so many, you know, meet sober meetings, they always have, you know, the cookies and the cakes and all that go. And they're great to have there, you know, when you especially when you're newly sober. But then sometimes I think for some of us, we can go too far down that path after a while and need to know how to how to manage that. So talk to us about that.
2: Yeah, I mean, that's obviously a big one. Um, pretty much anyone that goes, especially alcohol free, they'll talk about those just insatiable sugar cravings. And I was kind of like you, like on my high horse where I'm like, I don't have a sweet tooth.
1: <laughs> <You know? laughs> I have a major sweet tooth now, by the way, that I still have to uh, work on.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll just chug a couple boxes of wine, but you know, <laughs> no
1: sugar in Oh, several yeah. martinis. You know how much sugar is in that? Uh.
2: <laughs> yeah. it's. Um, I mean, the last thing we want when we work so hard to give up something as addictive as alcohol or any other drugs is to feel sort of powerless over any other substance. Mm-hmm. And, you know, sugar is really tricky. There's a lot of information out there about it being like just as addictive as cocaine. And like, there's some like, issues with those studies, like, So what I always say to people is to really focus on, like, don't focus on the sugar itself, but focus on everything else that you're doing, nutritionally speaking, because Mm -hmm. these, especially cravings at night, or maybe like in the afternoon, the afternoon slump, like 2, 3 p.m., whatever, those are usually due to just a blood sugar regulation issue. So brain fog, kind of fatigues, you know, whatever, you feel like you need a hit of caffeine, a hit of sugar, something like that. Or after dinner, you're like, oh my gosh, I could eat this whole entire box of Oreos or whatever, what the heck is going on? Yeah. yeah. So usually this, I'll call it like binge-like behavior, not to be um, confused with actual like binge eating disorder. It's a different thing. But when we experience a binge, that's usually because of Restriction somewhere else during the day. So
1: what I like people in recovery. Oh, I love that. Say that I'm gonna say that again. When when we usually experience binge, um, it's a result of restriction earlier in the day.
2: Oh, always, like yeah. literally always. You will not have a binge unless it's preceded by restriction to some degree, whether it's actual physical restriction of food, mm-hmm. whether it's you know, intentionally, like I'm going to diet and eat fewer calories or whatever, or right. if you're trying to like save up calories for a meal out or something like that. Or if you're even telling yourself mentally, uh, I don't want to have this addiction to sugar, I'm not going to eat the sugar. That's a mental restriction that actually, I mean, you can't even discount that as Um, not being like really important to the, to the entire picture, this mental Mm -hmm. restriction that we have. So when I work with clients, I tell them not to really focus on the sugar itself, but what else are you doing to set yourself up? And there are really simple things and people in recovery too.
1: Yeah. What are some of those tips?
2: Yeah. I can't like drive this home enough. Like be careful who you work with because people in recovery, like our needs are different than the rest of the population. And mm-hmm. we could very easily be put on some kind of diet or plan that ends up being harmful to us in the long term. So some of those tips um for kind of stabilizing blood sugar, help keep um, you know, cr- like minimize cravings. Definitely start with a big breakfast. This is one of the hardest things for people. And yeah. it like there's like all of these meta-analyses around just even if you eat the same exact thing throughout the day, if you really front load those calories with breakfast, the whole way you metabolize your food the rest of the day changes just from that one meal. And I always recommend that people try to get 25 to 30 grams of protein, like a high quality animal protein in each of their meals.
1: Mm
2: -hmm. So, that is basically like around four ounces around like a po- the size of your palm and thickness okay. of your palm is a good, is a good place to start.
1: What I, um, I got that tip, um, uh, the protein tip from a, a trainer. And, um, he was like, Oh, like, tur- you know, have uh, Turkey and I don't know, maybe some yogurt or something, but then a lot of the Turkey that you get the cold are not good for you, especially the smoke stuff. Um, is there any, um, any recommendation you are just, maybe just don't get smoked turkey.
2: Um, I mean, I don't like to put too many like rules and restrictions around it at first. Like, I think that if, if that's like the easiest thing for you to grab in the morning, then that's better than not getting the protein or not having the breakfast. So, you know what I mean? But yeah, I mean, there's like better choices. Like, um, you can get sausages without like added sugar. You can just look for like a paleo kind of friendly sausage or something like that. I like to do just a breakfast hash, just like my own ground beef with some seasoning and just throw some vegetables and potatoes in there. And then, you know, it's just like a bowl of
1: oh, I like breakfast. hash. Yeah. Oh, anyway, Back to your tip. So, uh, <laughs> okay, you know, back to the tips. So, yeah, breakfast, a big breakfast,
2: breakfast, protein. protein at every meal, every snack. I mean, you really want to aim for that 25 to 30 grams of protein with every meal and then meal timing. This is another thing that's hard for people, but. Um, trying to eat something every three to four hours will help stabilize that blood sugar. And, you know, like I hear people like aren't hungry and so they want to kind of honor their hunger and fullness cues and stuff like that. And it's like, there's a reason why your hormones, like your hunger and fullness hormones are turned off with like repeated alcohol use or, or drug use or whatever, like that impacts our body signaling to us. And so, I try to reframe it as like eating breakfast, even if you don't really feel hungry, is an act of self-love. Eating every three to four hours and making sure that you have like the proper amount of food for like your cells to repair and your energy and your brain to think and your lungs to breathe, like that's an act of self-care. It's an act of self-love instead of seeing it as like I'm going against my body's cues because we need constant fuel throughout the day. And then you'll notice your body will get used to having those meals. And organically, you won't be craving sugar at the end of the day. You won't be needing a hit of caffeine to get through the second half of your workday. You won't be right. like, eating until you feel sick. Like, that's a real thing. Like, I've done that, yeah. <laughs> you know, and it takes like a little bit of discipline, but it, it really will change your relationship with, with sugar and even alcohol, like for, for the alcoholic or the heavy drinker, the prior heavy drinker, whatever, we might not crave sugar, but like we'll crave alcohol, like, or, you know, the average person craves sugar, like craves carbs, whatever. Well, but that to us, that's a signal for alcohol. It gives us that instant sugar hit. It gives us a dopamine hit. It it rewards us for consuming it and that's what we're used to having as our as our reward mechanism so it's essential for recovery just to like kind of minimize cravings for alcohol and like sugar sure whatever but like the the big thing is we don't want to be te- in a place where we're tempted to drink again especially for physical reasons you know
1: yeah yeah absolutely and it can certainly Wore that off and headed off at the past, which I think is so important. Um, have, uh, ha- have your habits changed in the last year? I mean, you've been a nutritionist for a while. Uh, you've been sober for about a year. Uh, and of course you gave us those tips, which I'm sure, you know, you're, you're following them as well, but is there, has there been anything else in the shift for you personally in the last year, nutritional wise?
2: Uh, actually the breakfast thing is something that I have to work hard at. Um mm-hmm. even though I know all the data, all the science, I've read the articles, I've read like the actual articles. Um it's something that I have to work at every single day. Um so breakfast is the biggest thing I do make sure I never ever skip that. Um and then eating every 3 to 4 hours too. Like I have the tendency to skip meals, not as part of my eating disorder, but because I'm busy and I legitimately forget, I'm like running in a million different directions. It's like exciting to work with people in recovery, and I just forget to eat because I'm, like, <laughs> you know, doing my thing. Yeah. So, that was a big thing. And then um,
1: I used to joke that I would love, I would, you know, I would, people would say, Oh my God, I was so into this project that I forgot to eat. And I was like, Oh, I wish I could have that problem, but I <laughs> forget to eat.
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, but now you don't, you don't wish yeah. you. Had that problem. No, Trust me. Um, yeah, I would say like, the, like not much has changed for me besides, well, rest, rest is a big thing. That's one of my non-negotiables in mm. recovery is Um, you know, I know people think like nutrition and working out and I was like a, you know, a high level athlete, whatever. I will 100% skip a workout if my body is telling me I need rest over the workout. Um, unconditional permission to rest is one of my biggest things. It's one of the biggest things I struggle with. It's one of the main reasons why I would drink is it would be the only time that I would like allow myself to shut my brain off. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. while it's not like nutritionally focused, it's like kind of in the realm of wellness. So, that that's a big one.
1: Yeah. Any um any suggestions about how how to stay committed to these healthy practices?
2: Yeah, it's really hard. Um I think the like the biggest suggestion I can make is like create a plan, like just like you do for your sobriety, create a plan for For how you're going to implement these things start small don't do everything at once if you're on day one listening to this like who cares how much sugar you have like and never ever do anything that's going to compromise you going back to your substance of choice like that is like the healthiest thing you can do is abstain from that stuff beyond anything nutritionally but make a plan start small start with breakfast even if it's not like you know, like a huge breakfast with all like the all 30 grams of protein, just get your body used to having something in the morning and then slowly shift it, you know, so that it becomes a bigger meal or make sure you're sipping water throughout the day and not just chugging it when you remember it, you know, right? Um, like the little changes are what really add up over time. And I mean, anyone I see that like comes out of the gate with all of this intensity and fire and passion for like making all the changes at once it crashes and burns and backfires and we don't like no (laughs) one wants to do that like there we it's a marathon not a
1: sprint like let's not (laughs) like if you if you want to if you want to start writing you don't put on your to-do list write finish write book (laughs) right Exactly. Yeah. Start off with a hundred words a day. Start off then a chapter a week and then, you know, write incrementally and build. Those are great tips. One last question that we often ask most of our guests: what is the best lesson you've learned uh in sobriety and how did it help you?
2: Um, yeah, I've been thinking about this question a lot. So I think the best lesson I've learned is just the tremendous amount of freedom that exists in accepting. Just your circumstance as it is, self acceptance, accepting that when I drank the way I wanted to drink, it was harmful. It was an act of self harm and I was hurting people around me. And then accepting that I stopped enjoying drinking a long time ago. And it was really just a method of self medicating and accepting that I couldn't do it alone. But at the same time, I'm the only one who could do it. And There's just so much like acceptance stuff that goes on that makes like that tells you the truth of where you are. If Mm -hmm. you imagine, you know, a staircase where you're at the bottom and that like if you know exactly what that is, then, you know, the steps it takes to move up to where you want to be. But without this little roadmap, without being honest about where you really are, then how do you know where you're supposed to go and how to get there? So, hope that made sense
1: it made sense it made sense and um acceptance i've always said is the, the key to my sobriety so um thank you so much for being on the show i learned a lot uh and uh, i'm going to start following some of your tips today but not all of them because i don't want to <laughs> crash and burn uh, <laughs> so thank you steph prangley uh, to all our listeners thank you for your continued support visit us on soberpodcast.com and all places where you find major podcasts you can leave us a review uh, sign up for a mailing list you will also find contact information in the show notes for our guest steph wrangley and i'm your host jamie rickhouse you can find me on tiktok where i tell a true story in high heels every day um, Jamie underscore brickhouse. I'm the author of Dangerous When Wet, a memoir of booze, sex, and my mother, signing out from the Sower Podcast. Tune in for another show next week.
0: Thank you for joining us for this episode of The Sober Podcast. We hope that you have found this episode helpful and look forward to you joining us next time. As we continue to grow and implement positive change, we hope that you'll share our podcast with your friends and loved ones. They can find us on all the major podcast directories. If you have an idea for the show, want to leave positive feedback, ideas, or comments, connect with us on thesoberpodcast.com. You can also reach us on our social media platform on The Soberverse. We'd love to hear from you. A special thanks to all those who make this show happen Jamie Brickhouse, our host, Carrie, our producer, Carl Fessenden, our voice, and our sponsor, The Sober Network.